Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. punching her three to one and now landing her three to one. Let it go, but it's easier for us to say it. But 
was a beautiful win. I mean, it was very emotional for Alma when she had her hand raised. You know, from there, and it was promoted well. Um, it was promoted really well. Ring City's got a good thing going. I think from here, I mean, I want to see Christina Hammer versus Maricela, um, Raquel Pretty Beast Miller versus Maricela. I think they're all the level. I think there's there's still fights for Maricela. I think those two, they're still fighting. I mean, I agree with Lupe, where I would like to see Maricela Cornejo against a, a, um, a um, um, Christina Hammer or Raquel Miller. But in this fight against Ibarra was supposed to be like a, you know, get back into rhythm, keep busy fight. You know, it wasn't supposed to be, Maricela Correa wasn't supposed to lose this fight. So what needs to happen? I mean, do you have to get her a much easier? I mean, Ibarra wasn't easy. She had over 80 amateur fights. She was part of the uh, Mexican uh, Olympic team at one point. So she was an experienced fighter, a much more experienced fighter as far as an amateur um, than than uh, Cornejo. So do you have to find a much easier fight for her to try to get back into rhythm and get a win in her belt? Um, I, I saw this as a 50-50 fight going in. I didn't see Cornejo as a as the, uh, favorite. No way. Uh, just because of the reasons you just stated. Uh, I mean, Cornejo barely had like three, four amateur fights. She's still learning, and maybe that's a problem. She's learning too many different styles. Uh, she learns one but never masters it, and she hasn't really learned the art of winning. She's actually a very strong girl. I think uh, nobody's really sat her down and said, look, these are your strengths. Use them. She didn't use those strengths today. She tried to outbox the girl, and uh, she just got hit too much. Hey, you know what, you guys? I, did you guys listen to Alma? Did you guys listen to Alma? Uh, she was at the was it Alma? Who said she fought with Clarissa and um, and Raquel back in the amateur days? That was her, right? Probably. Yeah. See, so she has that. She said it. I mean, she has that background. You know that. Yeah. Now. You make a good point, David. That was a 50-50 fight. And in the last round, I realized and I noticed that that Alme Ibarra's corner was her, her trainer is Arele Muncinos, a former world champion at 112 pounds, which we're going to talk about more in a little bit. Her dad, who is also the trainer for Arele Muncinos. So, Cassie's from Monterrey, Nuevo León, Mexico, which is where from Arely Mustache is from. So maybe this fight was kind of like a, uh, well, Maricela Cornejo used to be with Golden Boy Promotions. Golden Boy Promotions has a very close uh, relationship with Cota Promotions, where we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, in our fight chatter. Um, so maybe this was kind of like a, a winner gets signed to Cota Promotions, um, Golden Boy, and the loser goes back to the drawing board. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced that Alma Islama is part of the team of, uh, in the near future. Yeah, it's very possible. Now, we started off with this fight in our fight results because obviously it happened. It just happened five minutes ago. That was the end. But let's go back to our fight results and talk about some of the fights that we saw in the last couple of weeks. Friday 
was there were 98, 92 two times, and 97, 93. And the same night, in that historic pay-per-view, which featured Clarissa Shields going a unanimous decision over Canadian Mary Gate to carry the first time that a female fight headlined a pay-per-view event in nearly 20 years. It was a shutout by Shields, uh, overwhelming 193 times, and with that, she unifies the 154-pound division, taking the WBC, IBS, WBO, and WBA titles. Lupe, what can you tell me about that fight in particular and about the event in general as far as the pay-per-view event? Um, as far as the pay-per-view event, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to criticize, and I'm starting like that because there was so much criticism. I don't want to criticize Mark Tappet or Salida's emotions. I think they did, you know, they, they, they did something. And um, so, so the fact that I had this all from the start, I was excited. Uh, where my sister's been watching it, it was, um, um, but the Clarissa Shields, um, I mean, she fought a world champion. She she just won that fight. This is a world champion. I thought that um that was a weird fight though for me. Like Marie Maria Jacari, um I didn't understand what she was really doing with with the the movement and the hands up in the air. You know, I mean maybe she was trying to make it harder for Felicity to fight her, but it was a very strange strange fight for me. But it was legit. I thought it wasn't a, that great of a fight. Uh, yes. I couldn't understand. What, what, what were your thoughts about? I'm sorry. What, what were your thoughts about the uh, about the fight and the uh, and the actual event? Uh, the event. Um, what happens in women's boxing, especially under the COVID conditions is that you're going to lose fights and there's going to be a change of opponents. So that was unavoidable. It happens in all fight cards. But uh, I, I, Claressa, I expected her to win. I still think she's yards ahead of everybody else, except for maybe Katie Taylor. And uh, But she just, I mean, she's way ahead of the game. She just has everything. She's got speed. She's got skill. She's got athleticism. I've never seen two fighters like Taylor and Clarissa Shields uh, in a long time. I've only seen a total of maybe four or five fighters in the history of women's boxing that I've seen since the 90s that have that kind of uh, combination of skill and, and athleticism. And uh, she did what she did. Dakari tried every trick in the book she could. She tried holding. She tried uh, grappling. She tried elbowing. Okay. She tried everything. Nothing worked. Clarissa was ready for everything, which I have to really give her credit. I thought that maybe that uh, she might get butted and cut. But she, her, her trainer, John David Jackson, even showed her how to avoid that. She was avoiding butts and and elbows uh, like a master, like a James Tony, and I, I was pretty impressed. I was more impressed by that uh, because I expected her to win the fight, 
But when she fought inside and was ducking under her elbows and moving right away from headbutts, I was like, that's master class kind of stuff. Now, what do you think? I mean, we know she, she Mark Tiff had mentioned to us here on the show a couple of weeks ago, some weeks ago. Um, so she's probably going to do some MMA fight next. But who would you like to see her fight in boxing in her next fight? Hmm, that's a good question. That's, yeah, that's a good You're question. Yes, because I mean we, I mean we had, I mean we saw the, and we're gonna talk about the fight, uh, the Jessica McCaskill fight. But McCaskill mm. has called her out. Clarissa said that she's willing to go down to 147 to face McCaskill if they pay her enough money. But I mean she's asking for close to a million dollars. I don't think that's feasible right now. So I think that her next fight is gonna be at 154 pounds or maybe 160. Who knows? So if you had the choice, David, and then we'll go to Lupe. Who would you like? Hmm. I mean, Savannah would, Savannah Marshall, in my opinion, would be good. Yeah. Savannah, but at one, 154, if she can make it. Or even 160, because she's at 168. Oh, maybe she's too big. Because it'd be kind of a, I mean, Shields is the target. Savannah, yeah. I mean, yes, she's well-known in, in Great Britain, but she, nobody knows her here, except for yeah. hardcore fans. So she yeah. should make the drop yeah. down to 154. Yeah. Because yeah. that's really the only fight anybody wants to see right now, unless you throw in um, Raquel Miller, who doesn't really deserve the fight, but then who is there left for Clarissa? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we could say um, Callie Reese. I mean, we could... We could start throwing. That would be one. I mean, but who is there? I would actually, I would actually like to see the rematch with Anna Gabriel at 154 pounds. Because oh, yeah. That's a good fight. I think of all the fighters that we see, yes. of all the fighters that we see Clarissa face, I think Anna Gabriel is the one that kind of gave her the best fight and the most competitive fight, and she's the one that dropped her, and that was at 150 pounds. And um. And I think at 154 pounds, which is a more natural way for Anna Gabriels, which she's the champion was, or was a champion, now she's a super champion, or she's a regular champion. Who knows what's going on with the WBA? And um, so I think that she would deserve to fight at 154 for that WBA title, whatever version they wanted to give her at that point. But second to that, a very close second, will be the Savannah Marshall fight, and we'll be talking about Savannah in a little bit. Also on the card, Danielle Perkins, uh, Gordon Land's decision over Monica Harrison and an eight-rounder capturing the vacant WBC Silver Heavyweight title. The scores there were 80-72 three times. Marlene Sparta, Gordon Land's decision over Shirley Barnett and a schedule six-rounder. And Bantamweight scores there were 60-54 and 60-53 two times. And Jamie Mitchell scored a fifth-round TKO in the schedule six-rounder, also at Bantamweight, over Noemi Bosquez. Time there was 149. One thing about the event that I think is worth mentioning is that, yes, it was historic. Yes, the production value was actually a lot better than I expected. Um, 
of them were really that competitive, you know. And I think that was a uh, that was a, a, a drawback of it. You know, we kind of knew yeah. in a way we were just trying to see how, like we were going to see if mm-hmm. Daniel Perkins was able to score is going to was going to be able to score the knockout. I really like Margaret Sponsor. I think that she's starting to develop more of a pro style. That's a critique that we've had with her uh, for a while. That she was still fighting a little bit uh, too amateurish. And then the thing that I said on our previous show before the actual fit card is that I didn't think Noemi Bosque should be in the ring anymore. And I think that was proven that night with the way that Jimmy Mitchell beat her and the way that she looked. So hopefully Noemi thinks about it and, and maybe it's time to, uh, to uh, hang up the gloves, Snoopy. Yeah, you know what? Um, she, she, should, uh, she should retire. I mean... Everybody loves No-No. She fights anybody, anytime. She travels anywhere to take a fight. But after seeing what happened um, with Jamie Mitchell, who, by the way, I think she had out of the card. Um, yeah, and there were some mismatches. And, but I think Jamie Mitchell was actually, um, she showed a lot of skill on that card. I think, to me, she was uh, the fighter who showed the most skill. I thought she looked great. And No-No, I felt... Um, God, she looked, uh, she got hit. She ended up looking in the wrong direction. I mean, yeah, I love No-No, and I just want her to just, I want her to retire. Now, David, you had a chance to speak to Mr. Mark Caput after the event. Any insight of what the actual organizers thought of the event and anything in the future that may, uh, that may be permanent to the, to the event? See, that again, I didn't understand. So if you had a chance to talk to uh, Mr. Mark Daffin, let me see. Let, let me see if I can get a better sound. Give me one second. Don't hang up. Give me one second. Okay. okay. Uh, David, he David, he was asking you if you've had a chance to talk to Mark uh, Mark Taffet after the event. That's what he was saying. Uh, just briefly. Yeah, he just mentioned yeah. that uh, they did well enough uh, on the show to do it again. Yeah, and you know, when they do it again, David, it's going to get better, and it's going to get better every time. You know, we saw a lot of criticism on social media. That's why I don't want to do it. They did it, you know, and they did it with everything mm-hmm. they had. I, I, you have to appreciate that and love that, you know. I mean, yeah, could the, could the fights have been better matched? Yeah. Could this and that? Yeah, but they get better every time. Yeah, yeah, and this was one now, of those things David, that... Yeah. I'm sorry. Um did he give you kind of an inclination of if they were to do it again, when it would be done again? Uh, they didn't say when they would do it again, but they're, they know that they can do it again and that they were very po- the signs were very positive. They did much better than they speculated they would do because uh, they, they had a certain mark they were trying to hit, and he said they exceeded that. So that's actually good news that they can carry it on their own. Yeah. And uh, Clarissa is a marketable fighter. She's mm-hmm. getting more and more well known every fight. All she needs is more action. More what? More action. Yeah. She needs uh, to fight more. Mm-hmm. I mean, she hasn't fought for once a year. Do we know what those were? Those pay-per-view numbers released yet, or no? He, they won't okay. release them. Yeah. 
But it will keep getting better and better. It's the first, and the first always gets criticized and, you know, torn apart. But he did it. They did it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign for women's boxing. I think um, we're in a new age, and that was like a, the first step in a long time that we've uh, witnessed. Yeah, and you know what, David? Um, I don't know if we lost Felipe, but the the um, no, can you, they, can you hear me? One, yeah, yeah, now we do. But I think when they walked out okay. and the pressing with the purple and the gold to Kobe, all of that was beautiful. I mean, it was. It, I loved how everything looked. It just looked really, really good. Very good production. Really good. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Now you just work on the Actually, matches. Actually, that was pretty. I was the thing. It's a great show. I was pretty impressed with I was pretty impressed with Clarissa's walkout and then that she actually removed her wig. She removed her wig before the fight on that French on food removed during the fight. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I was a little now, worried there too. I said, You on. can't fight with that long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was thinking about. Um <laughs> So moving on to, I was thinking uh, of Paul uh, Malinaji. Oh, yeah, the hair. Um, <laughs> on Friday, March 12th from South Africa, Hannah Rankin scored a points win over a Colosa Nudubayini in an eight-rounder. And then on Saturday, March 13th, early uh, from Australia, Ebony Bridges scored a unanimous decision over Carol Earl for a vacant Australian title. Uh, in an eight-rounder, scores there were 80-72 two times and 79-73. And that night from Dallas, Texas, Jessica McCaskill scored a unanimous decision over Cecilia Breakhouse in the rematch in a scheduled 10-rounder at a welterweight. Uh, WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, and IBO titles on the line. The scores were 189 99-90. In 98-91. And one thing that I saw in this fight, David and Lupi, is it reminded me of that fight between Oscar de la Hoya and Manny Pacquiao, where before the fight, Freddie Roach, who's Manny Pacquiao's trainer, stated that in his view, Oscar de la Hoya wouldn't be able to pull the trigger anymore. And in the fight, that was actually shown. And... After the fight, Oscar admitted, you know what, Freddie was right. I couldn't pull the trigger anymore. And I think that's what happened with Cecilia. She fought better, I believe, than the first fight, but she just couldn't pull the trigger anymore, Lucy. What did you see? Yeah, you know, yeah, she's she's done. Yeah, I think she's done. I mean, um, I felt bad when she was getting hit. She got hit right away with that, uh, right in the face, and I, I, I just think um, they got her at the right time. You know what I mean? Like like Rick Ramos says, I'm not the best trainer, but um, I know how to win. And you know what? You got to hand it to them. You know, they went in and, and they're doing everything at the right timing. You know, I mean, how are you supposed to fight? How is Cecilia, who's, who's a boxer, supposed to fight Jessica McCaskill, who's coming at her from every different angle? And how do you fight that? You know? So, but... Yeah, I mean, she's the first lady. There, there is a way. Well, she knew. There well, is a way, but I didn't hear you. The first right? time that she saw it. Well, um, one of the things that I've always seen, and, and I like Cecilia 
uh, Brackus. I've always thought she's a great uh, person, a really uh, admirable personality, and uh, a good fighter in what she does. But she had never really fought American fighters, and mm-hmm. she was used to the same European style, and she dominated that. She knows how to beat that style. But mm-hmm. the down and dirty American fighters, or, or even if she, Mexican fighters, she had never fought those. And so when you fight a different style like that, it's a whole new process. And she was never really ready for that. Yeah. And uh, she tried to learn it, but she didn't have enough time. Uh, yeah. Abel could yeah. teach her how to beat that, but she didn't have enough time. One year is not enough time. She needs like three or four fights now she... fighting that style. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she alluded to the fact that maybe there was a catchweight or something because in the post-fight interview, she stated that she would like to fight Jessica McCaskill at the weight limit at the at the weight limit of welterweight, which is 147 pounds. And if we if we look at the weight, they both weighed at 145 or less. So do you think that Jessica McCaskill, as the champion, um, imposed a catchweight at? For 145, because I don't think it was ever announced. Um, I think they did. I mean, since she said it, I don't think she was uh, fabricating that. But still, I don't think it's a matter of that two pounds. I just think it's a matter of style. It kind of reminded yeah. me of uh, when Canelo first came to the United States and he fought the, the, the American style, too. And, you know, they were moving and not that typical go-forward Mexican style. And he was lost. He almost lost his first fight in America uh, uh, for people that saw that. And uh, then he lost his first fight against Floyd. It wasn't until he learned that style that now he's a master of all of them. But it took him a while. Now, where do you think Cecilia Breakhouse goes from here, David? I mean, after the first fight, she kind of alluded in the post-fight presser, I mean, the post-fight interview, that she was thinking of retiring, and she obviously didn't because she fought the rematch. And after this fight, she didn't make a, a statement that gave us the idea that she was ready to hang up the gloves. So do you think that she moves up to 154? Does she stay at 147? And Well, it doesn't matter because Clarissa doesn't want to fight her. Clarissa wants to fight Macasco for the belt. So... Does Cecilia stay in boxing? And if she does, what does she do? Oh, good question. It's a really good question. I, if I were, if I were her and staying in boxing, I would stay at one forty-seven, but uh, go back to the drawing board, learn how to fight the American style fighter, and uh, then go back to McCaskill for that third fight. If she still has a belt. Well, I don't know. I don't, of, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see any business in that third fight if she beat her twice already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's just it. If she wins three, four fights, you can win. You can get yourself back as the number one contender. 40? Wow. Loopy? Yeah, I guess. I mean, she could. Yeah, at, I, I, mean, I said at forty, but. One forty-seven. I mean, if, she feels, if she feels like she. You know, you feel like saying just, you know, you have your, she has a school that's um, being built 
you know, after COVID, there was a stop. I mean, maybe she'll just go and start her philanthropy, continue her philanthropy, and and then be involved in some ways like the Olympics or coaching or that would be just, I would, it would be great to see her go that way. I mean, otherwise it kind of, for me, and but I'm not her, but it seems like, you know, when our favorite sports guys like Joe Montana out of the 49ers and then he goes and plays for, you know, he leaves and he, he comes back somewhere else. I mean, it's not, not the same, you know. But I'd love to see her continue um, in a different way, you know, managing and coaching and mentoring and, you know, Olympics. And she has a lot to offer. She has so much to offer to women in sports. Yeah, I kind of I side with Lupe because David, I think when Lupe was saying at forty she was eating age and not weight because she is up there in age. And you mentioned three or four fights, and three or four fights might be a year and a half to two years of of her career. I mean, she's going to be a lot older. I just don't see unless McCaskill. I mean, she fights Katie Taylor, and and Katie Taylor beats McCaskill, which I think would at one forty five or 143 or 144, or any, any catch weight at once, I think Katie Taylor beats McCaskill, and then Katie Taylor becomes the undisputed welterweight champion, and if Cecilia has two or three wins under her belt, then I see how that fight can be made, and it could be a, 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 a good, important fight for breakup, but a lot of things have to happen um, for that to come into fruition, and I don't know if breakout has enough of... of of the motivation to stay in boxing for that long. So I think she's going to have a, a hard, uh, a hard look at her career and where she's at in her life and, and decide what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now tonight, today, uh, well, actually Alma Ibarra is going to be decision over Maricela Cornejo. In Japan, we had a, uh, a draw between Saemi Hanagata and Eddie Matsuda for the Adam Weight IBF title. Scores there were 97-95 for Matsuda and 95-95 two times. So we actually had a world title fight in Japan, but the champion Saemi Hanata ended up staying with um, the title since it was a draw. Uh, now we're going to move on to a little bit of, of – uh, no, I didn't get a chance one, to catch that. David, did one, you see one of uh, uh, our reporter, um, uh, Eureka, um, saw it, and uh, she, her opinion, she felt that Matsuda won the fight. I asked because uh, Matsuda, I saw her social media, and I saw her picture of them both having their hands raised, and she was crying. She looked, and in her post, she was devastated. So that's why I was yeah. wondering how it really went. Yeah, uh, Eureka felt that um, she did win the fight, Matsuda. But, okay. you know, maybe it was Matsuda? a sentimental uh, draw. Yeah. Moving on to the fight chatter. Coming off a recent win just days ago, it was announced Australian Ebony Bridges will get a title shot on April 10th against Britt Shannon Courtney at a venue to be confirmed. So more than likely in the U.K., Courtney versus Bridges will be for the vacant WBA 118-pound title. Originally, Courtney was scheduled to face Rachel Ball for the world title, but Ball had to pull out since contracting the the COVID-19 virus. Bridges flew to Philadelphia to begin camp just two days after 
defeating Carol mm-hmm. Earl in Australia. A lot of people are complaining about this fight, Luffy, uh on yeah. social media saying that Ebony Bridges doesn't deserve, and neither does Shannon Courtney, for that matter, deserve an opportunity this early in their careers for a world title. Do you agree with that, or do you think they've done – well, we can't say they've done enough, but, you know – I guess Eddie Hearn has a lot to do with this because he promotes both of them and he has a great yeah. relationship with the WBA. The WBA. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I'm seeing all the, um, everyone's upset with it. And do they deserve it? Um, you know, it's Eddie, it's Eddie Hearn's game. He's the one putting these fights together so he can do whatever he wants. Um, I, I personally, I have no interest in Shannon Courtney outside of this fight with with um, Ebony Bridges, I don't really like Courtney's style. I don't, I don't think she's all that great. I, I have no interest. I, I, do, I do have interest with Ebony Bridges only because I follow Ebony Bridges on social media. I see how she's built up her social media, how she's got Eddie Hearn's attention. Um, does she deserve it? I mean, probably not, but she did it, and you got to commend her for that. Um, but now that she's here. And we, she's only four and zero, and even the last or five and zero now. And she didn't, we didn't really get to see that Carol Earl fight. I saw a tiny bit. Um, now we can really see her fight. Now we can just like whether she deserves it or not. Let's watch her fight, and if she let her continue, if she's good, if she's not, then she goes away. But I, I'm looking at all these arguments, and I can't keep up. What is? Who did they skip, David? Do you know who did they skip? Who should really be going for that title? Because I can't keep up. Well, well there's a lot of uh, bantamweights. Actually, there's a lot of bantamweights. Uh, for instance, uh, the girl from Florida, uh, Rodriguez, she's very good. And um, there's Shannon O'Connell in Australia, former champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ebony Bridges has never fought her. They're in the same country. In fact, she fought the same day. And she yeah. won the fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find it kind of strange that they've never fought each other. You would think. And then there's the other one, Susie Ramadan. She's yeah. another bantamweight. And the, I find it strange yeah. that they've never fought each other. It's, it's just the strangest thing. It's well, like. Let me give you, uh, let me give you the rankings. I'm, I'm on the world on the W. I'm on the WBA. Uh, I'm on the WBA uh, website right now. And let me give mm-hmm. you who is ranked um, for for that uh, for that title. Number one is Maureen Shea, the American. But I mean, who knows where she's at? I, we haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, she is. Then we have Selena Munoz, the former the former WBC Super Flyweight Champion, number two. Then we have mm-hmm. George, Georgelina Guanini, who we actually saw fight. Who does she fight? Uh, she fought at a really heavier weight in England not too long ago. Remember oh, her? That's yeah. right. She's the Italian. Good fighter. Who did she fight? Who did she fight? Did she fight Katie Tim? No, she fought, I'll tell you who she fought right now. Give me one second. Rachel Ball? Yeah. Uh, no. yeah, Was it Rachel Ball? She fought, yeah, Rachel Ball. She lost a, she fought uh, Rachel Ball. So, yeah, she so fought, she's like, out of the picture because she's coming up a lot. Yeah. Then we have you know, Rosalina Rodriguez. She's very good. We have Rosa. We have Rosalina Rodriguez. Then we have Shernika Johnson from New Zealand. 
We have Diana Rodriguez from Venezuela. We have Mary Romero from Spain. We have Shannon, Shannon O'Connell from Australia, the one that David just mentioned. Number oh, nine. And she just beat, she just beat Sherneka Johnson. Okay. Oh, there you go. So she should go up in the rankings. Then uh, we have number nine, Ebony Bridges. And then we have number 10, Saida Buvik from Serbia. So actually, Shannon Courtney is not even, as of February 28th, which is not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, she's not even ranked at the WBA. She's getting a world title. She's terrible. Yeah. Okay, so when we're, you're reading these names and I'm looking at them, so what are we to say that um, these fights are being bought? <laughs> and, I mean, it was that's that, what promoters that, do. Well, you know, Eddie Hearn is Eddie Hearn is, is chummy chummy with with uh, Gilberto Mendoza Jr. and giving him the opportunity, basically saying, "Hey, I want to sanction the fight. I got Shannon Courtney. She's very good in the She's ranked now." Before we move on to the next one, Maricela Cornejo actually. Um, posted about her fight and I quote she says sometimes it's a dream and other times it's a dime it's a damn nightmare congratulations to Ibarra what a waste and shame on my end boxing is one <gasps> hell of a sport and will always have my heart thank you to all oh, who wow. showed up when I unfortunately didn't so I mean I know that that gas from Lupe was maybe thinking that she was going to announce her retirement she didn't do that she didn't re- she didn't Announced her retirement. She basically said boxing is one hell of a sport and it will always have my heart. Basically saying that, yeah. you know, she's in love with boxing. She doesn't announce her retirement, but she says, and I find this very frank on her part, thank you to all who showed up when I unfortunately didn't. So that's going to be a very hard pill to swallow for Maricela Cornejo because she was expecting. She actually, and she actually produced a all-access show on her and her opponent because she was trying to promote the crap out of this fight, which she did a very good job of. And for her to lose the fight is heartbreaking for her. But one thing that it shows is that, unfortunately for female fighters and fortunately for Maricela Cornejo, who at this level has a huge um, social media following, no promoter, she's doing things that a promoter should be doing which is good for her because she's trying to get her name out there, but then it's distracting her from what she should really be doing, which should be um, training for this fight. Yeah. So let's see what what happens with Maricela. I mean, let's see. Let me just check something real quick because I want to see how long her inactivity was. uh, was. How long did she... Fight, not fight for. She's 13 and 5. 13 and 5 with five knockouts with his recent loss. Her last fight was September of 2019 when she lost to French on Cruz Dessert. Yeah. So it's been about a year and a half. Last time that Alma Ibarra fought, who is now 8 and 1 with four knockouts, um, was November 23rd in two, of 2019. So almost the same amount of time. And that was in Canada against Raquel Miller for the interim WBA. Super welterweight title. So we'll see what happens. Moving on. Today, it was announced current WBO super middleweight champion, Savannah Marshall of the United Kingdom, will make her first defense of a world title against former world champion, Tempke Hermans, on April 10th. 
The fight will be broadcast live in the U.S. on The Zone. Hermans captured the vacant WBA 168 pounds title in 2018. And the same year, Clarissa Shields, in the same year she faced Clarissa Shields, losing a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. David, what kind of statement would it make if Savannah Marshall knocks out Ben Herman? Oh, uh, uh, well, I mean, she should be a favorite. She should. She's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, she has all that, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, she has the, the, everybody expects her to win that fight. Everybody. Yeah. Nobody expects her to lose that fight. If she wins by knockout, they expected her to knock her out because she knocked out uh, Hannah Rankin. And that alone, her expectations are, you know, she should knock her out about the eighth or ninth round. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that's a, the way gamblers are going to bet it. Yeah. But does it does it does it make the fight between what I'm saying is that Savannah Marshall knocks out Femke Herman, it kind of gives her an, a, a a a sound argument to say, hey Clarissa, I just faced a former world champion, the same former world champion that you faced, and I knocked her out in four or five six rounds when you went a decision with her. You know, she it kind of shows that she has power in her in her in her mm-hmm. fist, and she's able mm-hmm. to knock out the fighters, the Clarissa Shields couldn't. So I think they make yeah. a pretty good argument for her that she deserves that fight against Clarissa at 168 pounds if Clarissa wants to go back to that weight class. Mm, yeah. I don't think it's worth it for her to go back to 168. I think she should just stay at the lower weight classes where there are better fighters, more of them, instead of scrounging around, you know, fighting retreads at 168. Because other than Savannah, uh, well, no, I, I take that back. There is. Franchon Cruz is still up there. She should fight Franchon yeah. Cruz. And... Yeah, that would be a good one. Do, do you think fight. that? Now, I one, think thing, one thing about Clarissa saying at the lower – one thing about well, Clarissa staying at the lower weight classes, I'm sorry. One one thing about Clarissa staying over at the lower weight classes is that those, that might be the weight that she's looking to fight at MMA. Because if you really think about it, David and Lupe, I mean, unless she goes down to to 147 and tries to fight Jessica McCaskill or Katie Taylor, the real real money fight in boxing for Clarissa Shields, the way that they're building up and who. Savannah Marshall's promoter is, which is the zone, and Eddie Hearn, that's the money fight for Clarissa Shields in boxing. Yeah, it is. You know? That's, it is that's the, the fight, fight that everybody wants to see because that's the money fight, and, and the zone is going to pay for it. I don't know. And I'll be – I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll pay her a million dollars, but I think they'll pay her more right now because for Savannah Marshall than I think for Jessica McCaskill. Yeah, that hmm. is a money fight. What about Jessica think, McCaskill well, uh, at a cat's weight of 150? Since she won't fight for the title. It won't be for the title. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Still a good fight. I think one thing that Eddie Hearn – oh, excuse me. Go ahead. I, I think that one thing that Eddie Hearn continually makes mistakes on is uh, 
is evaluating his talent and other talent around the world. He he really thinks much too highly of uh, fighters from Europe. <laughs> yeah. He way overrates them, and he yeah. overrates, overrates their appeal, and yeah. then he wonders why he only attracts 100,000 people to watch their fights in Europe. And that's one of the things I see with Savannah Marshall. They have to bring her over to the United States to let her fight some American fighters so that American viewers, oh, not even just American, but North America, South America, get to see her. Because other than that, they're only going to get 100,000. Yeah, they're going to get 100,000 in England, but nowhere else. Yeah. And, and you know. She's not a seller. Yeah, and, you know, all the, to add to that, David, all those girls, um, like the ones that are fighting this weekend, the young ones, Ellie Scottney, Ramla Ali, um, Beth Conley, all those girls, they all said, and I think it was um, Ramla who said, I want my big fight to be in the in America. All of them were saying we want to fight in the States. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Katie mm-hmm. Taylor has built her, her audience here. She didn't build it in England. She built it here. Mm-hmm. True. Well, I mean that's. I mean, I think that I, you have a point, David. I think that if they want to make that fight even bigger, they have to bring Savannah Marshall to the United States. And yeah. I think that Eddie Hearn has kind of made the blueprint for that with Katie Taylor. Yep. Absolutely, mm-hmm. he did a great job with her. And in fact, all of his British fighters. Yeah. He should be bringing him over here. Maybe he hasn't done it because of the COVID situation, but that should be his first yeah. goal is to bring them all over here. Yeah, you're right. I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah, most of those girls are going to lose. Most yeah. of them. You're right that he overhyped his girls, Terry. Harper, the Shannon Courtney. I mean, they're all hyped, yeah. I think. They're overhyped. I don't see that. Mm-hmm. I don't see what he sees. And, I mean, yeah. look at the, the men fighters. He he takes these unknown Mexican fighters and they knock out the British fighters mm-hmm. one by one, from mm-hmm. Andy Reese to this uh, other guy that <laughs> knocked out, uh, what was that guy, Warrington? I mean, one after another. I, I, think, I think, if anything, the, the, the COVID is, the, uh, is the, the, the biggest reason why he hasn't been able to, to bring them over. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it, that probably is. Now, l- lastly, on the fight chatter, four-time world champion Adele Nucino of Monterrey, Mexico, announced earlier this week she had signed an exclusive promotional contract with Coto Promotions of Puerto Rico. Golden Boat Promotions will also be involved in her career. She's actually mm. going to be fighting uh, on the next Ring City uh, card, which is next Thursday. And we're going to talk about yeah. that in a little bit in our upcoming calendar. So, David, I mean, if we include Arely Mutinho as part of Golden Boy Promotions, now Golden Boy Promotions has Sule Murvina, Marlene Esparza, Finis Estrada, Anabel Ortiz, and uh, Arely Mutinho, which makes it five fighters, right? Am I missing any of them? I think it's, oh, a fresh on cruise with the kick. Right. And that's right. about it, right? Uh, now, I think, yeah. I think that in the future, we might see a Arely Mucino, uh I think she's saying, I think she's going to stay at 115. I think she's done everything that she could do at 112. 
She won all the titles, mm-hmm. not all at the same time, but she's been the WBO, WBC, IBF, and WBA world champion at 104 pounds. I think she's going to stay at 115, and I think that in the future we might see a, a matchup between her and Chilean Urbina or, or and Malena Esparza. You think that's a possibility in not maybe not in the near future, but maybe by next year? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That's a, a really good matchup too. You got two uh, well-known yeah, I fighters. That I mean, they're both well-known. But that fight what in Mexico or Texas? By... Yeah, more than likely in the United States, cause, or even Southern California, uh, or Texas, because of Marlene. And, and actually, Texas is closer to Monterrey than uh, it's actually drivable to Houston, I believe from Monterrey, oh. like five, six hours, if not less. So that that could be something that could happen there. What do you think of that signing, Lupi, uh, with Arely Moutinho signing with uh, Coastal Promotions and, in fact, Golden Boy as well? I think it's a great opportunity for her, of course. Um, why Coastal? She's from Puerto Rican, right? No, but her boyfriend is. Yeah, the reason is oh, so that's her boyfriend is her. Okay. She's Mexican. Okay, yeah. so and she's been doing okay, a lot so of that's training what that's and living out there. Yeah. So she's all and, and she's, she's been healed, living out there. And, and she's all healed up from a car accident. I guess we'll see. You know, she's. Yeah. I think that's a good thing going. Well, she's she's going to handle the line. Yeah. So I guess we'll yeah. see how it. How and it I goes. think I got... <laughs> Go ahead. And I think that's the first female fighter that Cultural Promotions has actually signed. I don't think they ever signed a female fighter before. And there is some prospects in Puerto Rico, but this is the first one that they've actually signed. Wow. wow. That, I wonder how the Puerto they Rican a Mexican? <laughs> That's sacrilegious. Yeah. yeah, wow, that is true. <laughs> they That's have true. a lot of uh, Puerto Rican pros out there. I wonder how they feel about that. But she's totally marketable. <laughs> I mean, she's so pretty and, you know, she's marketable. They got that. But I wonder how Christina Cruz. I wonder how those Puerto Rican pros feel about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Lupe, Christina Cruz is an amateur fighter that I mean I don't know many amateur fighters, but one that I do, some of them that I do know is Christina Cruz. I think she has a mm-hmm. of Puerto Rican descent, and she's actually now yeah. has. I, I think I read somewhere that she has gone to the to represent Puerto Rico, try to represent Puerto Rico for uh, Mm -hmm. the Olympics. Has she ever given an inclination, as far as you know, of going pro? Not yet. It's all about Olympics for her. You know, when she knew, you know, it's tough in the USA. They have the girls already set. And when she got that offer to go to Puerto Rico, the number one over there, um, Rose, God, what is her name? Uh, Rose Mato, she's the, she was the, uh, supposed to go represent, she's in Puerto Rico, and she was to represent, she's number one, and Christina Cruz came and bumped her from the spot. Good they weren't very happy. Yeah, Is they that... weren't very happy at all. Uh... Yeah, I talked to the dad, not happy. Wow. But that's, that's boxing, right? Christina Cruz has Puerto Rican blood, and mm-hmm. she's totally marketable, and that's the way it is. But no, it's all about the Olympics for her. Wow. I know. She's a little bit long. She's she's a little older, right? She's like, what is she like, late twenties, early thirties? Yeah, thirty-two. 
Yeah, she's in her 30s. And Rose Matos is oh, like in okay, her 20s. Okay. Um, but, that's that's, that's but, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's boxing. Now, our next show is scheduled yeah. for April 1st, where we're going to be talking about all the fights that are coming up in our upcoming calendar. So let's just jump to that right now. And this Saturday, this Saturday, there's a ton, a ton of female fights all over mm-hmm. the world. Uh-huh. Starting in London on The Zone early Rama Ali, who we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, will take on Beck Connolly. And Beck Connolly sounds familiar. Well, she's a really, a really um, tough girl that fought. Um, let me see. Who did Ellie she fight? That she got, I think. Who did she fight? Yeah, she fought Ellie Scottney. Yeah, she fought Ellie on her debut. No, debut? No, last fight. Uh, she's tough. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's an army. She's a, a sharpshooter in the British Army. Wow. Remember that that other tough girl that we saw? I think she was German, though. That she took a beating in one of those England, <gasps> in one of those oh, England yeah. from Eddie Hearn's backyard. Yeah. Remember her? I thought, yeah, that, was, that, I thought that was her, but it's not. This is a no. Yeah, this, no this different. Is a, one. a different one. Okay. Yeah. Now. Lupi, I don't know if you saw this, but Rama Ali has stated that it's given the opportunity by Somalia to represent the African country and the Olympics. She's going to make a run at it. Did you see that? Oh, is she really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. But, but here's yeah. the thing. I mean, I know that. I mean, we're all here. We're all against uh, pros going to the Olympics. But I don't think Somalia has a boxing program. So I don't think she's going to be taking anybody's place, you know? So yeah. I think that would be an exception to – I think that would be the exception to the rule that, hey, she's a she, Somalia descent. I think she was born in Somalia but moved to England yeah, at a very young was. age. So it's giving the opportunity to, to represent Somalia and make it to the Olympics and have a chance to win Olympic gold, I think that we could pull back a little bit on our criticism and give her the chance yeah. because we're more – we're more concerned about pros taking amateur spots that yeah. they don't deserve, whereas I don't think that Somalia has a boxing program that they even have somebody ready to go from actually an amateur from the country, right? Yeah, and Rama doesn't even have a really an amateur background. She's 1-0 in the pros. I think she has a handful of fights. That's a different story than, you know, yeah. um, Hamadouche with 20-something fights. You know what I mean? It's different. It is different. But I talked to Ellie Scottney, and she yeah. said she wouldn't. That in her, for her, she's moving forward, and she would not consider Olympics. So everyone's, you know, different. Well, Ellie Scottney is actually scheduled on that same fight card on Saturday, March the 20th, mm-hmm. against Maylie's Grand Love. That's a six rounder at Featherweight. So both of them are fighting at Featherweight, and it would be expected that sometime in the future we will see a fight between Rama Ali and Ellie Scottney. So that's something yeah. that we got to look forward to in that weight division from Matchroom Boxing. Also in Tijuana, Mexico, this you can probably catch on Facebook, Diana Gonzalez, and this is Diana with a Y, will take on Pink Tyson, Kaya Coroni at 130 pounds in a schedule 10 rounder for the vacant WBC International World title. And from Puerto Vallarta on Fight TV pay-per-view, the hey, Mexico hey, City. Hey, 
Hey, Felipe. Go ahead. Yeah. Can we go back, and mm-hmm. since we're talking about Ebony and Shannon, how did Pink Tyson, Kalia Kareem, how did she get that world title shot, even though it's vacant? So that's another one. Like, how did she get it? Well, it's not really – it's not a world title. It's an international uh, title. Oh, the international okay. – So it's not an actual okay. world title. But, yeah. So it's kind of – it's whatever. Yeah, okay. So those – It's a bad I mean, title. If you think that – Okay. Yeah, they buy it. They're buy, they're they're buying it. But I mean, if you think that that <laughs> Courtney and Bridges don't deserve the world title at WBA, and that and Eddie Hearn basically buying the opportunity for them, the WBC with the intercontinental and the international and the continental Americans and all that, whoever wants to pay gets it. No no <laughs> no rankings needed. You know. So very cool. That's but that's, you know that's I what's am going on right there. I am curious about Ebony Bridges. I've I've yet to see her fight uh, live. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. I really want to see what she can do. Um, you know, hats off to her that she's undefeated because uh, she didn't have to fight. What is she a school teacher? We've had her on the show, and she's very yeah, personable, exactly. very brilliant, yeah. very bright, very bright woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. She's a great artist. She she draws. She could draw very very well as well. She's great great artist, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I mean, if you really think about it, if you really think about that Shannon Courtney Ebony Bridges fight, it's actually a good fight. I mean, it's gonna be a good yeah. fight. You got two fighters that mm-hmm. have a little. They don't have a lot of experience. They don't have a lot of pro fights, and it's gonna be a good fight. The critique is that it shouldn't be for a world title because they don't – I mean, as we just saw, Shannon Courtney's not even ranked. I mean, is she going to be on the – is she going to be ranked in the next uh, in the next rankings that they put out, hopefully soon, later this month? Of course she's going to be ranked in the top 10 for the WBA 185, you know? But as of February 28th, which was the last time that the WBA posted the rankings, she wasn't ranked, you know? And that's mm-hmm. the way it works. Um, at least one of them was, which is Ebony Bridges, which was ranked at number nine. But she might have gotten ranked a couple of months ago when it was going to be her against Rachel Ball. And then she hurt her uh, shoulder. Because not even Rachel Ball is ranked at 118 pounds at WBA. She wasn't as of February 28th. Well, you know? huh. So, yeah, it is what it is. Now, Moving on, going back to the upcoming calendar from Puerto Vallarta on Fight TV pay-per-view, Mexico City, Sonia Osorio will be defending her WBC silver 115-pound title in a schedule 10-rounder against LA's Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz. That's a fight that we've been looking forward to. That's going to be a great fight. It's going to be Adelaida Ruiz's first opportunity for important hardware. And from Tijuana, Mexico, Jackie Nava, the Aztec Princess, will take on Karina Fernandez and an 118-pounder, uh, 118 pounds for 10 rounds. This is all Saturday, okay? Ronald Lee, mm-hmm. Ben Hanley, Ellie Scottney against Maylis Gandalf, Diana Gonzalez against Kalia Kareni, the Pike Tyson, Sona Osorio against Adelaide Ruiz, Jackie Nava against Ken, Karina mm-hmm. Fernandez, and the main course from Dallas, Texas, on the zone, the semi-main event now, Anabel La Avispa Ortiz, the WBA strawweight champion, will be defending her title against Seniese Estrada. David, 
Is there a chance that Demetrius Estrada doesn't win this fight? Uh, there's always a chance. Anything could happen in boxing. I always tell people that anything could happen in boxing. You could break your hand and you, you break your lead hand, your jab hand, and you're in trouble. And uh, that's all it takes. Or you twist your ankle. Uh, I've seen it happen many, many times. So there's no sure thing in boxing. But, I mean, I would give Sinisa the advantage just because she's used to fighting bigger girls. Let me rephrase. And she... let me, David, let me rephrase my, my question. Bar, barring injury, is there a chance that Sinisa shall lose the fight? Can she lose the fight? Is that what you said? Yeah, barring injury. There's no injuries because she loses this fight. No. No, I think Sinisa's <laughs> I agree. just a superior fighter. Yeah, it's her time. Yeah. It's you know, her time, and it's perfect timing. I, I mean, yeah. Annabelle, how many times has she um, defended this title? She's 34. It just seems like a lot of these older fighters are being taken down at the right time by the younger fighters. Mm-hmm. Very, that's perfect. Annabelle Ortiz, Annabelle Ortiz is 34 years old, okay? And she fought last year, March, so it's going to be about a year when she lost off um, action, which was March 7th, against a very limited 6-6 six and six fighter. And the last time mm-hmm. she defended her title was in August of 2019. Here's, here, I mean, here's the thing, David. Do you? Why would Golden Boy sign Annabelle Ortiz? I mean, they give her the fight against Inessa. Is it kind of like a, like, like an insurance policy for Annabelle? He goes, okay, you want me to fight Inessa? I'll fight her, but sign me and give me some fights at 108 pounds so I could go on with my career. But then, does Inessa stay at 105, or does she go up to 108, and then Annabelle Ortiz has the same problem all over again of having to face? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I think that um I think that Sinisa doesn't plan to stay at minimum weight. Uh I think she wants she wants to win that title. I mean I haven't asked her that specifically, but I think she wants to win that title, then go go back up to one oh eight, win that title, go up to to 112 or win that title. I think she plans to win titles all the way up to Bantamweight. And she's very capable of doing that. Yes, I don't think anybody could beat her in three weight divisions right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Barring injury. But why would Golden Boy, why would Golden Boy have to sign Annabelle Ortiz? Like, wouldn't they be able to offer her just a ton of money and have her fight for the title and then have to sign her and now they have to give her fights? Uh, I think um, they see women's boxing. This, this is what I've uh, talked about with uh, Golden Boy, is that they um, they see women's boxing on the rise. They they they've seen what it brings to the audience, and they're very selective on the fighters that they've picked. They've made some mistakes already, but then they've also picked some gems. Sinisa is one of them. They didn't expect mm-hmm. her to do that well, but they they realized that women's boxing is really moving up, and they they see that they accept all fights. They don't want to 
I mean, we just saw Marlon take a fight with him two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. They were, like, astounded by that, that she took it and performed well, and came, you know, she didn't care. And basically, that's what they like. They like that the women don't care. They don't yeah. think about uh, records. They don't think about a loss or any of that stuff. They just want to fight, and they they love that. And they're signing girls that they feel represent that, especially champions. Uh, Ortiz is yeah. a, I mean, she's a great champion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. they have a champion like Franchon Cruz, who not only will fight anybody, True. and I know it's hard for her to get fights, but she's also great behind the mic, a great representation. I mean, I think they're oh, yeah. great women. Yeah, they've, they've also mentioned that, that they didn't know that she was going to be that good of a spokeswoman to to be able to, to convey all that that she just mentioned. She's just perfect, yeah. and she represents that yeah. East Coast that they don't really have a, a, a foothold in. Yeah, and and she's the people's champ, you know. I mean, everyone loves Franchon. Now, the biggest fight in the next couple of weeks is scheduled for Thursday, March 25th, a week from tonight, from Puerto Rico on Ring uh, City on NBC Sports. Amanda Serrano, a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter, will take on another top 10 pound-for-pound fighter in Daniela Bermudez in a scheduled 10-rounder at 126 pounds for the WBC and WBO world title. And Areli Mencino, the newly signed former champion to Koto promotion, will take on Lucia Hernandez in an eight-rounder at 115 pounds. So this fight is going to be the main event, Serrano against Bermudez of Ring City, which is going to be the third and final installment from Puerto Rico, and I think this has the the makings of fight of the year. I think that Serrano obviously has the advantage uh, size-wise, but as far as skill, I think, and experience, I think it's, pr- it's pretty evenly matched, and I think, and yeah. you've seen Bermudez go into hostile territory in the past and put on a, a winning performance. We saw her do it against Mariana Juarez years ago. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's able to do it on next Thursday. This is going to be a big fight, and an upset by Menemudes will be a huge, huge thing. But Amanda Serrano is obviously the favorite. David, your thoughts on this big matchup scheduled for next Thursday? Uh, my thought is that, I mean, we know Serrano. We know what she can do. She's a heck of a fighter. She's a come-forward all action, all punching is skill, and she has power. I mean, she's probably the number one knockout puncher in women's boxing. But, you know, Bermuda is such a mystery. The little that I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. I've never seen her fight live. I've, everything's on tape, and, and she's yeah. fighting mainly in Argentina. So we don't really get to know if she can really fight at this level. But from what I see, it mm-hmm. looks like she can. It looks like she has uh, speed. Uh, she has that uh, determination. I, and she's hungry. She looks like she, she always fights hungry. That always impresses me. Yeah. When a fighter yeah. fights hungry. And she's got yeah. it. Yeah, you're right, David, all of that. Cause we, we only see what we see on, on the video, the little bits that we see. And I, I really... She's, it's going to be a great match. And, yes, Amanda's a favorite, and she's in the, she's, a, she's bigger, and 
it'll be a great matchup for Amanda. It's always exciting to see Amanda in the ring. Uh, and it's just, I love seeing her in the ring. I won't ever, actually, I don't want to go um, against Amanda. I don't like to go against Amanda, and I don't think this time we have to. But I like Daniela Bermudez. I like her and her sisters. I love it all. It'll be a great match. Well, we're going to see what actually happens next uh, next Thursday, March 25th, on Ring City, just like we did tonight with the Maricela Cornejo, or actually Alma, Alma Ibarra against Maricela Cornejo's fight. And lastly, on Saturday, March 27th, I don't know if this is going to be televised beyond Dominican Republic, but I just wanted to mention that in the Dominican Republic, there's going to be a fight card that is, that is featuring six female Fight with yeah. Diana Santana taking on Diana Garcia at an eight rounder um, at 135 pounds, and one of the other fights also uh, includes Oxandia Castillo on one of the cards. So there's going to be six female fight cards on one card in the Dominican Republic on Saturday, March 27th. So I just wanted to make a note of that that Dominican really? Republic is really pushing female fighting, at least on this fight card. That is our upcoming calendar. This Saturday, in two days, it's going to be a mega palooza female fight um, from on the zone in Mexico on pay-per-view. So you're going to be able to, if you're able to catch all those, you can. Next Thursday, we got Manuel Serrano against on NBC Sports. And then um, that mega fight card with female, six female fights in Dominican Republic. Maybe there's some kind of Facebook feed or something like that. So uh, our next show is scheduled for April 1st. We're going to be talking about all these fights and much, much more. Any closing thoughts, David, before we say goodnight? Uh, yes, everybody tr- tune in to that Serrano uh, Bermudez fight. You won't be. You won't. Regret it. You will not regret it. Lupi? Um, <laughs> my husband's going out away on a golf trip Saturday, and I'm <laughs> I'll have everything charged up and ready to enjoy the the day. Everybody, Lupi. Wish Lupi. Yeah, wish Lupi luck on the golf course and from. All of us here at the two-minute round, your hooks and jazz hooks at PNL Boxing. We wish you a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night.